Um, good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Live Art Development Agency. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, in particular, welcome to those of you who haven't been to us um, before. We're delighted um, that Skip Arnold uh, is here with us uh, tonight, and also Dr. Dominic Johnson. Um, just before we started, I wanted to say just a very few brief things um, about LADA. Um, so LADA is a, we talk about LADA as a center for live art. Um, what that means is that we are uh, a production center uh, for publications, for programs, um, a knowledge center, a research center, and an online center for dissemination and representation. Um, we're celebrating our 20th anniversary of the year this year. Um, we established in 1999, and there's a whole year of uh, really interesting uh, programs and publications and uh, artworks happening. Um, and if you want to know any more about that or any more about any of our work, you can talk to myself, my colleagues Finn and Bruno and Ben. Um, but maybe that's enough. Uh, so I'll hand over to Dominic. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you very much. Uh, so I'm Dominic Johnson, and I've organized tonight's uh, event. Uh, just firstly to thank um, Lada, and especially Lois Keaton and Ben for running the night, um, and also to Queen Mary, who gave us the money, which is very useful. Um, so um, Skip Arnold uh, is clamped between boards and propped against a wall, or contained for two weeks in a museum display case. He slams himself into white walls, less like dead meat than the, as a maker of marks. He is shipped as freight, subject to zoo trade permits, and lives in a bank vault on arrival for the duration of an art fair, or tempts maritime disaster and paranormal death as human flotsam in the Bermuda Triangle. He stands, jumps, hangs, poses, bangs, rolls, spins, floats, or falls. In his performances from the 80s to the present day, Skip disturbs the fraught border between performance and sculpture, or, be, or between being in a living, breathing body and miming the non-life of an insensate thing. Skip does nothing, or next to nothing, often for uncomfortably long durations, or otherwise in stark, short blasts of time. His performances, video works, and activities for TV, which we'll see some uh, later, um, feel barely mediated, rough, and stripped back. A body undertakes an action, sometimes a profoundly passive, enigmatic, ridiculous, or mortally dangerous one. And he does it without fuss, flair, or fanfare. Skip was born in Binghamton, New York in 1957 and lived for several de decades in Los Angeles. He now lives in Paris. He received an MFA from the University of Los Angeles in California, where he was taught by Chris Burden, Charles Ray, Shirley Clark, and others. And he did his BFA at the State University of New York at Buffalo. He has had solo exhibitions at Kunsthalle Vienna, University of Houston, the Laguna Art Museum, Exit Art, New York, and others, including most recently at the Institute of Contemporary Art in LA. He has received awards and grants from the John Simon Guggenheim Memorial Foundation, the National Endowment for the Arts, Art Matters, and others. Um, what is at stake? So tonight we're going to think about some of the uh, we're going to look at the work and then talk through some of the issues that arise from the work. And what interests me is the question of what is at stake in, his, in Skip's body's insistent slide towards the status of an object in his performances as something to be moved, used, shipped or lost, propped on ledges, strapped to architectural supports, or in extremis, kicked by a stranger or punched by a collaborator. 
in its figuration of itself as a human person and yet as an imperturbable object or thing, what does this body assume, tell us, or ask in its conspicuous acts of being and doing? So, um, what we're going to do is, Skip is going to give a short, uh, he's going to read his manifesto, his manifest, and maybe tell you a little bit about it. And then we're going to go straight into a series of videos. We're going to show a lot of videos, but the videos are typically very short. Um, so we'll rattle through them. It'll take about 20 minutes. And then we're going to have a conversation with uh, a, a loads of images, documents uh, from performances. And then there'll be time for questions and answer. And then there'll be time for a glass of something, and maybe a, uh, you can chat with Skip a little bit more. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming Skip Arnold. Uh, thank you very much, thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Dominic, thank you so much. Uh, LEDA, thank you so, so much. Uh, I've known about your organization for many years and always sat or behind my computer going, geez, man, that'd be a nice, kind of cool place to be. <laughs> um, the manifest that I'm going to read to you, because I do have to read it, it's so old and still extremely prevalent, was it, I was invited to a show in uh, Linz uh, where you'll see a piece called On Display. And uh, they had asked me, hey, do you do live performances? Because they had seen the videos. And I said, yeah. So I started getting all these faxes, you know, you know, bio, blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, will you send it to your manifest, your manifesto? And it's like, whoa, these people are Marxists. You know, it's like, this is cool. Okay, well, a manifesto, you know? And I, th I understood what they really meant, but I kept it that way. It skips manifest. And it's really the way I've always thought about what I do and what I am. So here we go. The emphasis is on space and how and what my body or can do, does or can do. The work ranges from extremely physical to extremely passive, to explore the relationships between self, place, and particular time, to explore fundamental gestures and concepts, to my interest is the image and nothing else. I work in media that are effervescent, transient, consumed in passing, and not collected. What is common to all my work is skip. Skip is the artwork, the act of doing, my actions, and my choices. Now, when I say my interest is in the image and nothing else, that is not necessarily meaning the document that you find in a newspaper or magazine. The image is the landscape, or the image is the TV set, you know, or what, whatever. It's what one sees. Uh, sometimes people make the mistake or assume that it means image means a picture. Well, you can look at a picture of your eyes. Your eyes are what you see. The idea that Skip is, is, is the deal is that I'm the medium of myself. I don't use paint. I don't use bronze. I don't use brushes. Uh, it's, it's what I can do with my body and what I can do and how not how far one can go, but further, the furthest. And uh, Neil Cassidy says this, and I'm going to bastardize the title of the book, but I always call it Electric Acid Kool-Aid Test. You probably all know the real title. I've just screwed up. But Neil Cassidy didn't talk a lot and always swung a hammer, but it was when he drove the bus with the Merry Pranksters, it was all about going further. It's what you can do. 
and what you can do with what you do. And that's what I do. To also say, so this first one marks, we're, it's a long video, but we're going to show a few minutes. But of the other ones, we're going to show uh, pretty much all, all the way through. Thank you. So we're going to talk about some of the work that we've seen, but also show you a lot of other work, especially including mainly works which were which are just sort of still images from live performances. Can you just go to the next, the first image? So the first question I really wanted to ask was just to go back to the very beginning of the of the screening and ask you to just sort of say a little bit about this work because it was it has a more complex setup than maybe is or immediately visible in witnessing the video? Oh, yes, yes, yes it does. Uh, uh, I wanted to make marks, I wanted to be a pencil. We'll look at it that way. I wanted to use my body to make marks on the wall. So I built this room, it's almost like building your own death chamber, but I built this room in a TV studio out of three quarter inch plywood, or I don't know in centimeters, but you know, that thick. And I had three cameras, two coming in and one from above. Um, I had them all time-coded. It's a little technical here. Everything's time-coded, so if a camera missed, another camera had that same moment in time. There was a master switcher, meaning a master tape that took all three. So the private audience at the moment saw what was coming off the switcher. It was the first piece that I did that an audience was someplace else. I was getting a lot of crap, or I won't say, yeah, I'll say crap, that people were saying, oh, you're influenced by your audience. What you're doing is you know, you're, you're getting turned on by them. And it's like, no, man, my, I, I, I'm someplace else. So this was a piece where the original audience saw it sitting in a whole nother space. Cool piece. What I did was I noticed, and I, it, not that it bothered me, but what I noticed as a piece that I wanted for TV uh, was that Whoa, the switcher wasn't, you know, these people couldn't work fast enough. So I'd find on the other three tapes, two tapes, ah, oh, there it is, that person has it, that person has it. So I cut it, it's in real time, I cut it together where if a piece was missing, it was on, on another tape. And as a piece, as I get slower, the edits become faster. As I'm fast in the beginning, the edits are slower. It's kind of like a boxing match, or the way they present it in, in sport. But the, the, the total interest, the, the real interest was to make marks on the wall until I couldn't do it anymore. I eventually uh, lose it from exhaustion, uh, pretty much knocking myself out, but uh, I wasn't stupid about it either. I had a, a, a doctor there, a good friend of mine, but I had people around uh, uh, in the switcher room. I had uh, Ed Smith, you know, it was like, Skip knows. Uh, he's already told me if he doesn't move for 30 seconds, cut the white, things over with. Bring out the, you know, bring everybody out. Let's make sure everything goes well. Uh, the, the helmet becomes kind of funny because I went to the thrift store to get a helmet and they had a blue one and they had this one, but they wouldn't take my credit card or write a check. So I had to go to the store. When I came back, that's all that was left. 
And so it becomes kind of ironic also, during this period of time, 1984, you know, you got Reagan, you got Gorbachev, or whatever his name was. You know, so it has a double entendre, I guess, you know, or people want to take it as a political piece, but it's only political because of the era it comes out of, like most work or most writing or anything that we have at a time. But uh, the camera people were told what to do. All they did were told to do was keep zooming in and out and following me. I do not let anybody take responsibility for the image that you see or that I have. They become a tool. And it may be rude to say, uh, and some people would say, no, I won't work with you. But those who understood, really it took a lot of pressure off of them. It, it, it truly did because they're doing what Skip wants done and that's it. This is all I have to do. It's a lot of work, but it's all I have to do. I don't have to focus. I don't have to find the coolest shot. This is all I have to do. Great. And um, if we go to the next slide. So your earliest works um, in the early 80s and um, were in clubs. Could you, can you say something about working in clubs and were the specific kind of conditions of the club or the kind of the si did the situation of working in clubs produce certain kinds of work for you, or is there a re relation between the works you do in clubs and later works? What, what's important about being, having been a, a performer in those spaces? Clubs were honestly the only places one could perform outside of being on the street. And I was doing street pieces, uh, um, not cabaret or anything like that. You'll see what I'm talking about. But I had had this piece in particular, but clubs, clubs were mayhem. Okay, you got five different bands playing a night, you know, you've got some stand-up back, you got a poet, uh, you got people getting all fucked up, uh, you know, sex in the back room. I mean, yeah, you know, it was, this is 1983. And uh, uh, the band, uh, English band, White House, I don't know if anybody remembers them at all. Uh, they actually asked the producer of the club uh, if Skip Arnold would do a performance before they played. And I've been working on this piece called The Plague. This is a a half-frame photo, it's a 10-foot tower I built with a hook and pulley system so I could pull myself vertical and pull myself back up. And it's called the plague or the horror of all horrors. There's a stack of speakers over here with you know, just a litany of sound and white noise and, and just disgusting word, you know, bad words. Uh, words. Uh, but I've been doing the piece, I'm, I'm tied by my, my wrists and my ankles, by all my arteries, and if I don't keep moving, I'll pass out instantaneously. So the interest, once again, with Skip is, is to do this as long as one can do it. It's not like, oh, I got 10 minutes, so voila, 10 minutes, that's it, it's over with. It's to do it as long as I could. I, I think the piece lasted about 13 minutes. A gentleman by the name of Martin Cursell, some of you might know his performative work, but uh, I knew him for a long time, and he became the person who came out and unhooked me and took me away from the piece. Working in clubs, galleries wouldn't deal with it. I mean, they just wouldn't. It was like, almost like video. Oh, geez, that's a little messy, isn't it? All those wires were in performance. It's like, well, what are you going to do with my, my white walls, uh, you know, my paintings? Uh, 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 what am I going to do with the people? And, but the clubs were the atmosphere for it. And it wasn't just in Los Angeles, it was New York. And for myself, being able to be, you know, airplanes were like the modern internet, you know? It's like one day I could be in LA and one day I could be in New York. It's so like if I lived in New York, one day I could be in London, and the next day I could be back in LA, uh, New York, uh, uh, LA. And between that and the myth 
of people doing the same thing in, in faxes, uh, much of the work became a myth. And much of the work became what they may not have even been there, but they sounded so authentic that you thought they were there, you know? Uh, but the clubs were the place. You, you didn't get paid a lot of money. Sometimes I got $7, you know, but uh, uh, it, was the, it, it wasn't just to experiment. It was like this piece wasn't done again, you know? I mean, I, I do them and they're, they're over with, that, that's it. Uh, I was enamored at the time. I was very young, still very young, but I was super enamored that White House, which I thought was a hot, hot group, wanted and knew of my work. I mean, I was pleasantly surprised and really fucking just like, yeah, fucking A, you know? I'm, I'm doing something for White House, you know? And uh, it was just cool. But every week I was doing, and not just myself, every week I was in a different club, you know, uh, 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 most of the year. Whether it was here, or not here, LA, New York, most of my, most of my work really became more in the street and more with the architectonics of buildings. But in the early days uh, of the 80s, uh, the clubs were the place. Uh, the galleries wouldn't deal with it. Not that the galleries didn't show up. They were just as young as myself, many of them, the gallerists. They were getting, you know, having a great time too. But uh, out of that, years later, a lot of uh, 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 things happen. You know, connections get made. Uh, you end up being able to do something for an evening at Lace, or which was the equivalent of the LADA, things of that sort. Mm -hmm. And um, some of the videos that we watched earlier were um, activities, what you call activities for TV. So you were, were you thinking about, what was your, what were you thinking about the relationship between performance and TV or performance and video at, at that time? 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. One minute, 15 seconds. Uh, commercials, you know, uh, MTV, VHS1, v VH1. Uh, I would call companies up, you know, I mean, I, I really would, cream, cream, cream Cheese Productions, whatever they were called. Uh, and it's like, look it, I got these pieces. You know, you can put them on, I don't care if they're on at midnight. But I grew up in a TV generation, I didn't grow up in an MTV generation, I was a little older, but uh, I grew up in a TV generation where you were bombarded, you're hit. And for me to walk in a studio and have the lights just hum, man, and the, just the sound of them humming, and knowing what I'm going to do. I know I'm going to get myself punched. I know I'm doing this with girls in bikinis. I know I've got my crew. I'm set. I'm ready to go. But they were, they were timed and lit and shot as TV as their final form of presentation. They, they were played a lot in clubs. I mean, I would haul back then. Video equipment was huge, but even a porta pack. But I would bring them to clubs and whether vertical or horizontal, man, between bands, I, I popped those suckers up there on the stage and later that night you'd find them on MTV, you know. Uh, uh, once again, I, you have very much money, but uh, it, was, it was about exposure. I mean, I, I, I do and continue to have an interest in Skip and Skip being Skip and Skip being known, you know, and I, I, to me that's extremely important. Uh, I think you recognize me when I walk down the street. You know, but then it was really about myself and what I could do as TV in its time period. You know, now I mean, you'll see some videos, they're five seconds long. And that's what a commercial is these days, you know, five seconds long, you know. Is that, is that answer? Is that, is that <laughs> yeah. cool? Um, 
And uh, what about, so this is much more recent where you're like, adapting to different kinds of technologies. So this is on a, a billboard. What, is that part of the same idea or, or is this doing something different, do you think? No, uh, to me it is part of the same idea. I think time, you know, digital, you know, billboards, I always wanted a billboard, you know. Uh, I really did, just my body you know, laid across it. But you know, back then they were paper and they were plaster. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, uh, this organization, and this woman that ran the organization, she uh, uh, got the city of West Hollywood to uh, donate time on their digital billboards to have artists present pieces that were made for billboards, or made for digital, I'll call it digital TV or digital media. And uh, I let her, she came to the studio, I let her pick the pieces she thought were hot. She picked three, she picked this one rule. This one I thought really fit well, you know. Uh, you're stuck at the stop sign, this is at Sunset and uh, uh, Holloway uh, by the Roxy and the Whiskey. Uh, so you got three intersections coming at the same time and, and if you're walking by or driving by or stuck at, the, uh, st stuck at the red light, it's like, what the? going on here, you know? And, and you want to turn around and go down the block and come back around. But it, it wasn't really to entertain you, it was just to pass you by, you know? It's, it is Skip, my name does come up, you know? But it is, it, it's how media progresses itself sometimes, and in this case, it works to the advantage of what my interest is, was back years ago, but finally caught up with itself. Um, and we saw a, a clip of this, um, which um, I don't know if you don't know from the video, but this was six hours a day for six weeks, so it's a, a, an endurance piece. Um, in this piece, and hood or ornament, and we'll see gargoyle and other ones, you're, you're sort of performing a version of a sort of traditional, but actually, well, a traditional sculptural form. Um, can you say something about, about that, about sort of what, what drives you to become the, the object, the sculptural object in, that, in these sort of situations? Well, I, to start where they fit, uh, and, and B, that's my interest. I mean, it really, really has been um, time, place, history, what I can do with my body. Uh, with sculpture in a fountain, uh, I was in Detroit helping a friend shoot a documentary, and I'm under a beach, I don't know, this train that went around the city of Detroit subway, and I'm going, you know, I see this fountain, but there's no sculpture inside. And I'm going, well, where's the sculpture? And this guy behind me goes, well, you know, it's all being cleaned. And I go, what? And then my friend said, yeah, it was in the news today. They took the skull, it's gonna be gone for six months. So I immediately ran down there and stood there for the afternoon. And then I measured it, and my friend and I rebuilt it. And I became, and we built the fountain, the, the, the motor, the water, and, excuse me, and made it so that I could be the sculpture in the fountain. Being a gargoyle in that fountain would look like a piece of garbage. It was really to find a sensibility of what a statue is, what a public statue is, how a public statue fits within uh, a, a, a fountain, you know? Uh, my interest wasn't being like uh, uh, Robert E. Lee or you know, some political figure or you know, being monumental in that way is more monumental of history, you know. Uh, across, in my case, I consider Roman and uh, Egyptian, you know, historically. And to have it fit uh, is the most important thing. If it doesn't fit, it doesn't get done. Uh, 
It would just be stupid. You know, going, God, that looks stupid, you know. But to do it for a moment just wasn't a deal. It's to do it so that when one came, this was done in lays, but when one comes, they expect to see something. And I expect that I'm going to be there for them. You know, I, I do this for, my, for, for the viewer. You know, this is, this is for you. This is for the institution. This is for those who come to see. Uh, I could sit home and smoke cigarettes all day long, you know, but I get a kick out of what I do. I get a kick out of Skip. We can do this. And the body goes, no, nah, I don't think so. And, you know, and the brain's going, yeah, Skip, we can do this. We can do it. And, and once again, it's about going further, you know, uh, not farther, but further. How long can we do this for? It's not a question. It's we're doing this, and we're doing this today, and we're doing it for six weeks. It's my job. This is what I do. This is what I am. And, and uh, if we go on to the next one, then some of them are more clearly you undertaking a similar activity, but, but making it um, public or sort of doing, doing the action to produce a kind of incidental audience in, in contrast maybe to Fountain relying on a gallery audience attending. What, what happens when you put the same sort of gesture or a similar strategy into the public? Oh, that's, that, that's always a lot of fun. Uh, well, I won't say always a lot of fun, but it's, it's always a lot of fun. I'm, this is on the side of the old o Otis Art Institute building, and I think at one time it was a, the county uh, museum. Don't quote me on that, but uh, these ledges had these big brass um, flats, rectangles of, I don't know, uh, men on horses, who knows what, you know, reliefs. And then when it became the school, it just had these things sticking out. And uh, Lace, not Lace, excuse me, Los Angeles had a biennial. And uh, the director of the uh, museum of, uh, of the school, Otis, asked me if I would uh, be involved in doing a piece while using, uh, using, their, you know, using their space, whether it be the grass, interior courtyard. And I always, I drove by this building every day, almost, on my motorcycle. And it's like, I've always wanted to be on that ledge. <laughs> and there was seven of them. And so to get the opportunity, once again, I, you know, I, I set my camera up. And when, I, when these images are taken, there's only one image, sometimes only two. But the image is taken, camera is gone. Uh, Hollywood's too much about simulacral audiences will no longer take it seriously. But some people go by, and it's a sculpture on the side of a building. Some people go by and don't even know it's to pay attention. Some people walk by and say, we, Ethel, we better turn on the news tonight. I think something happened, okay? But in, in the public, you get a variation of everything. This is done from about 1 o'clock in the afternoon until uh, uh, dusk, uh, until, you know, dark time. But this is winter, December, so I'd say about 7 o'clock. You know, so it changes over time, you know, the way the lighting hits it, the whole deal. But once again, to stand as I did in the fountain piece made no sense to me at all. It didn't fit with the structure of the building. It didn't fit with the platform. I pretty much knew what I wanted to do years ago on this thing. I always wanted to be a gargoyle, you know. And, and to have the opportunity and to have it fit is, 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 is a cool thing. And, but once again, it's a job. You're doing it, I'm doing it, and I'm doing it for you, and I'm doing it all day, and I don't move, and so if I did blink my eyes, who's gonna see it? Uh, you know, some people gawk at you. Uh, somebody might throw a rock. 
but I've got somebody around that's within 50 meters. It's, you know, they pay attention, but they're not there like some guard. I mean, they're down standing at the bus stop. It's, it's to, to fit within the landscape. And to fit within the landscape and drive by or see something as you would if you're driving down uh, uh, one of the streets here or Sunset Boulevard or wherever we are, and, and appreciate it or just notice it or not. It's just part of the whole, it's just part of what the landscape is. You may not even notice that tree fell down for four months, for instance. Is, is, this, the one, is this one was in, interrupted, is that right? Uh, yeah, this one was. Uh, uh, not on this, uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, a couple times, actually. This one, there's a car accident that happens, but in, you never see it happen. The lady is uh, spending so much time uh, looking at uh, the sculpture that a truck rams into her, and they have a, a whole argument amongst themselves, and I'm gone by then. But uh, <laughs> this is a, you know, it's like a nouveau, you know, ribbon, ribbon front, Kim Light Gallery, and it weaves in and out, and it was always beautiful, and terracotta clay, and I'm facing west, so the sun is setting at me, and I just thought, this is the piece. When Kim Light, when I first started working with her, it was like, Kim, this is what I want to do. Uh, I wanted to do another piece, too, which I did later, which was hide in the trees over there. Uh, but this is a piece I want to do, and I think it would sit well at, these certain, you know, at this certain time of day through this certain time of the evening. And I personally think it does. Uh, if it's, it's one of the quintessential pieces, I think, that really fit and talk about what I talk about. You know, uh, uh, um, at some point uh, during the, uh, uh, the month I did this piece on a July evening, um, it was a Wednesday and unfortunately I was not aware or didn't pay attention. There's a lot of temples in the neighborhood and I guess some of the people that were going to temple weren't not very happy. So their way of dealing with Skip or that particular incident, which has happened before, is to call the police and say someone's trying to commit suicide. So who shows up at the fire department, ambulances? It blocked, I would say, about three kilometers down the road. Honestly, it did. Uh, and my two gallerists, uh, Jeffrey Poe, who's the director, and Kim Light, they're talking to these two uh, firemen and police officers, and they're going, look at it, it's a sculpture. Because I told them, I said, look at I'm a sculpture. This is a piece of sculpture on the side of a building. This is not a performance of a person. This is a piece of sculpture, and this is the way you present it. This is the way you talk about it. From what happens after you talk about it, we'll deal with that as it comes along. But there's no way. I'm a person. I'm the object on the side of a building. I'm the sculpture of the piece. So this goes on and on and on. And I, I can hear bits and pieces, but you know, it's getting pretty bad. The traffic's really backed up at this point. So the one fireman, guy, smart, smart guy, he looked at Jeffrey and he goes, well, could the sculpture come down now? <laughs> So Jeff, you know, Jeffrey came over and said, I've been asked, uh, can the sculpture come down now? And I said, yes. <laughs> and they brought out a ladder, I put a robe on, and uh, uh, away I went, you know? Uh, not to be seen again for the rest of the evening. Um. Um, and this is another one, sim similarly. Um, um, 
sort of you were, didn't you what happened with this one? Oh geez my gallery had a heart attack uh, no really it was in the hospital uh, this is in Geneva it's called 32 what was the name of the street Blanc I forget his gallery is on the first floor I mean the ground floor this is uh, three floors up so you figure 30 meters in the air right but it's a, it was a new building and I loved the way the facade came out and it's all empty space I'm standing on a ledge about like this and we had done some tests in the winter time before the this was for a festival uh, uh, of Geneva uh, uh, a three-day weekend of all the galleries and museums being open and uh, bring you know people coming from everywhere so I wanted to do this piece called facade and uh, he goes okay this looks cool so I come back in June Everything's all set up. Once again, do the piece. Someone's called the police. Now, this is Geneva. You think Geneva in Switzerland is a, like a cool place. Well, this is a Calvinist society, right? So I, I'm arrested, honestly, for entering deviantly a Calvinist society to create deviant acts in a Calvinist society. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? You got nudes all over the place here, you know? So. The police come inside the building and they're frightened because there's there's no there's 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 no ledge. They finally realize it's like shit. I can't reach that man. I can't grab him. You know. I mean, it became one of these things. I'm standing there like this, and I, oh, would you please? You know, my English is bad, but will you please come down? It's like no. I'm standing right here. I'm standing right here. I'm standing right here. And finally, I mean, they literally had. A, Honestly, they did have to grab me and, and bring me in. And there's, so for days, I'm going to the restaurants or the bar, you know, the brasserie, and on the news, they're showing me nude. The newspaper, front page, skips nude. But I'm arrested for being nude, you know? Um, I, was I, I was told by my gallerist I was found guilty the first time, and then it was, I guess, appealed. And, uh, the judge said, well, as long as you don't return and you're leaving, this is cool. Well, I didn't dare tell him that a month later, I'm, uh, three weeks later, I'm going to be in Basel doing another piece where I'm taped to a side of the entryway window. New, you know? <laughs> Did not dare, you know? <laughs> you know, and uh, it, it, became, it, it became a joke, unfortunately, that my, my gallerist did. Uh, he ended up being okay. It was a, a small, you know, a small thing, but man, it blew him away. Uh, you know, it's a gallerist had, had a gallery for like 35 years, and I was very happy to work with him. But one of the judge's assistants, the Blick, if anybody knows the Blick, it's kind of a, you know, um, anyways, a shitty mag uh, newspaper. Uh, they got a full page of Skip, and it's called, in German, Does Art Stick? And they slid that to the judge. And man, oh man, oh man, it was just, like, life wasn't cool for a little while. Uh, they told me I, wasn't, I was supposed to leave the country. And I said, yeah, well, I did. I went to Freiburg, you know, and I came back, you know. So things happened, but that's kind of like the stories, but it's the peace. The people got to see the peace. The people very, very seldom ever get to see the trouble that happens or the, uh, 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 yeah, the trouble that happens, you know. And um, in a work like this, Closet Corner, uh, eight, 1987, the this is an example, like many others, I think, where there is a risk, a kind of inherent risk of like, injury or harm or 
at least difficulty. So you're suspended off the floor by the pressure of the boards and you know some of the, the accounts you've given as well. Is that a sort of side effect or is that something you're deliberately exploring, the kind of difficulty or, um, or risk of the situation? It's part of like, uh, I guess you call the notice of the job. If you're gonna be a chef, you're eventually gonna cut your finger. So on that end, I would just say it's part, of, it's part of what I do. The interest in Closet Corner is, you know, you would think people would really fuck around with me, you know, but they actually don't. They get kind of intrigued by the whole deal, or they just walk away and, but for the most part, they get a little intrigued. This is called Closet Corner, and I'm suspended in its piano clamps that hold me off the ground. The piece ends when gravity literally does bring me to the ground, and I tell you that's not pleasant, because and skin and bones, and gravity does eventually pull on you. But my intention isn't about people screwing around with me, and my intention isn't really uh, uh, about what might happen. My intention is that you get to see this. And when you walk into space, all you do is see two boards or a board leaning against the wall. It's not until you come around the piece or out of the elevator that, or back to getting your drink that it's like, whoa! Oh, wow, what is that? I mean, I had people stick their hand underneath, you know, to see if I was really suspended, but it, it's really to turn you on. Uh, 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 the Closet Corner came out of the idea of uh, this thing about, you know, oh, uh, we, you know, we have so, many, so much space, we only use 10% of it, you know, in our brain. And from that, even though it makes maybe no sense with this, this became, this is how the piece manifested itself for me for a public piece. And there's, the, w w there's, there's definitely humor in the work, and some of the works either seem to elicit hu laughter accidentally or deliberately. Can you say something about laughter, essentially, like whether you want people to laugh or, if, or what you think laughter does in the work? Because sometimes it's, I think the laughter is a kind of confusion in this, in this work, or surprise, or that it resembles or... Um, is similar, like most performance art practices, I think there's a sort of stunt-like quality. Can you just say something about laughter or comedy or, or similar? Well, I, I think I, you know, humor or comedy, I mean, it's, it's healthy, you know, it's very important to laugh. Um, unfortunately, or I won't say unfortunately, many times laughter is nervousness. I mean, you don't know what to do, so it's like, oh, ha-ha. Oh, Jesus, ha ha. And then you kind of like try to turn it around into, oh, this is a joke. This, you know, this is a game. You know, and it, it plays that way. And it's like, and I, and, you know, I can bring Lenny Bruce up in, in, in this case where, you know, you may laugh when Lenny Bruce, when you're listening to his old records or a, a clip on TV, but it's serious. The guy is serious. He's Lenny Bruce. He's not a comic. But what he's saying is really getting under your skin, or you understand it. And when you do laugh, it's one of the two. You know, you're laughing because you are so nervous that you actually know he's talking about you, you know, and you in the general sense. Um, for me, I wanted this piece in particular to think that, oh, the workers had left a board behind. And from that, the piece manifests itself. But humor is extremely important. Uh, for me, you know, like girls in bikinis, it's, it's angst, you know, it's 1983, you know, it's like a hit single with a flip side, 
you know? Uh, punch, we laugh at punch. We laugh with punch, but there's, there's really no humor with that damn piece, you know? I mean, I flew about three feet backwards. I found the biggest man with the biggest arms, and I, gave, I put a, 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 a three-quarter inch videotape in, two of them, one for my head and one for my stomach, because it is a sculpture. Um, and I said, you got 30 minutes, and at some point in this time, you're gonna fucking hit me. And he goes, well, how do you want me to hit you? And I says, look it, we're not in Vietnam, and you're not trying to rip my guts out because I'm the enemy. You, I called your wife a bitch. And then within 25 seconds, the man just like laid me out. <laughs> <laughs> Which struck me like, okay, it's done, you know, like that happened. But, uh, uh, but when we do laugh because we don't, uh, many times don't understand it or can't believe why would somebody do this, you know? But I can't expect, and I would never expect, or even ask an actor to do it. It's like, well, I don't feel like hitting myself that hard today against the wall. That, that's no, there's no deal with that, you know? It's like, um, and that's why I look at myself and use myself as the medium and look at myself as the object, as the subject. I am both simultaneously. And, and that's extremely important with my understanding of myself with the work. And that, I'd like to ask you about that, because when you say you're becoming an object or that, you bec that, you, um, that the image is, is central, um, how much, I mean, that, that could be read as, as thinking that your body somehow becomes not a, not a person or that you become sort of um, universalized or something, which I don't think is, is, is what's happening. Can you say something about that? The, 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 for me, what's really one of the things that's really interesting is that there's a sort of um, it's interestingly unclear if you're a, a person or an ob or, or an object or a, you know subject or an object. Like in this, you know, maybe someone mistakes you for an object and then realizes that you're, you're not. I guess the the question is how much of you is in the work, and maybe also I think similarly, does it matter? when the, that your body is a, a, a male body, a white body, a, um, you know, the, whatever, in whichever ways it's read. Can you sort of say something about those, like the particular and the universal, or you know, the bits of you that can't be erased from the, from the object or the image? Well, I, I, I'm one of the points, uh, uh, nobody came around with a clipboard and said, Skip, you want to be white, six feet tall, uh, 120 pounds, you know? So on that sense, I, use myself to the best of my ability. Mm -hmm. And when I put myself or talk about myself in the third person, I am talking about Skip and what Skip is doing or what mm -hmm. Skip has done. And this piece in particular, it, it actually has a story behind it, which almost all of them do, but uh, this is New York City, Con Edison back in the 80s. Uh, we had you know, a lot of problems in New York. They, you know, nothing was fixed. And they had these commercials and they would say, when you see this, don't go, you know, uh, don't go beyond the barrier. You know, da, 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 da. You know, we're working. They weren't working. They were just fucking doing nothing. <laughs> so I started doing these pieces. I say, the, I, I think it did three all together. And then I started these dirt pile pieces. But it was like, well, I guess the company's working. Looks good to me, or Ethel. I just saw something, and I always use Ethel, I don't know why, but Ethel, we better watch TV tonight, man. I saw something. Or you don't notice it when you walk by. But I am an object at that point. I'm also, when one writes about the work, 
or one talks about the work, I'm the subject. Because I am what you're talking about. But I, you're talking about an object, but I am the object, so I'm the subject simultaneously. And it's not to play a language game. It's what a medium is. And not a medium like, oh, you're... And I probably got that word wrong, too, but, you know, uh, one of those... Uh, uh, how can I say it uh, politely without interfering with anybody? Uh, you know, horoscope things. You know, a medium that thinks about your brain. You know, it's like, I am, I use myself for what I am. And for what I am, and I take it as far as I can, and as far as I can go. And then when we talk about it, it becomes the subject and the object. Uh, 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 they're separated, you can separate them, and they can be melded together simultaneously. Does that answer, is, does that make sense to you guys? You know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, these, these aren't jokes, I'm not playing practical games here. This is a full-time job, you know, and I've been doing it for 37 years. Uh, it's what I dig doing. It's like, no, I do not dig being clamped between a board. And no, and I do not dig being walked on top of every day. But to do what I want to do and to make a point, this is what I got to do. And there's a, a bunch of works which we've s seen already and um, where you're, to my eye, you're sort of playing with um, sort of assumptions about masculinity. So that mating call seems to be that what's happening. Girls with bikinis, and Amelia Jones has written about Scarecrow as you know that she, you know she compares you to Chris Burden and sees Chris Burden as the kind of martyr, and you as she calls you like histrionic, or that it's a kind of excessive act which seems to deflate the martyr or masculinity or similar. Is that do, do you um, do you identify? Is is that what you think is happening in the work? Are you What's your relationship to masculinity in the, the image that you produce? Well, Amelia, I mean, she writes really well, and uh, <laughs> she, she has an insight that um, I can't pretend to have when I'm doing the pieces because I'm not thinking about them in those terms. Mm -hmm. uh, but when it comes to masculinity, I am a, I am a boy. And, uh, uh, and girls in bikinis, I mean, it's 1983, and it's angst, and it's like girls in bikinis get fucked all day, you know? Here's my 357 Magnum, you know? Here's my cock. You know, mating call is just so much fun. It was like, and these were done live, and once again, dual cameras, because I like having the angles and making sure everything works together and everything's in real time. But mating call, like, man, have your dick come out of your mouth. Come on, man. That's just too hot, you know? And to be able to do it live, you know? And I got two people with bamboo things whipping behind them, you know? Uh, so, so you really, you, there's a real angst and there's just a real, there's just a real skip there, you know? It's, that skips humor. If we were to talk about humor, that's, that skip like saying, ha ha, not ha ha, fuck you, but ha ha, look what I, you know, this is fun, but this is hot, you know? Uh, yeah. And uh, with, with, so this one, Freight, you were shipped by freight from one city to another. And there's other works where you undertake a kind of behavior or an activity that, that, that also c that can't be really witnessed in its totality or documented. So I think this, I mentioned the, um, uh, the Bermuda Triangle project. Um, can you say something about those, about the, these things, about, about, yeah. about the work or about evading sort of witness that you can't, no one can see this work. It sort of happens in a sort of isolated, kind of almost semi-private way. Yes, I will, and I just want to say one thing about the, the piece you saw with me that looks like I'm in a body bag, uh, and about 
we call it masculinity. Um, it's called the specimen, 2000, male specimen, 2003. And I'm giving you the opportunity to examine what a body looks like in 2003. And in this case, a male body. It may be mine, but it's, the work starts to become less about skip and pieces like this and, and more about the image and, and what you're getting the opportunity to experience. The uh, uh, box piece, the freight piece, um, it's just too, f just too funny. Um, I'm doing this piece in Austria called On Display where I had a little glass box built on a stand. I'm a natural history museum piece, you know? And uh, uh, at the same time, uh, there's a piece, yeah, there's the piece right there. Every day I would do it. So at the same time, there's a fair going on in, in Cologne called the Underfair. And my gallery is there, and another gallerist that we're all friends of says, you got Skip in Europe. Do something with him. Come on, man. He's here for four months. He's got a piece he's doing in Italy. He's got a piece in Vienna. Da, 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 man. Get him up here. Get him up here. So they call me on the phone. And they go, will you do something? And I go, well, of course I will. Oh, what are you going to do? I go, well, geez, I don't know. I just said yes, but I, I, I don't know. I'll come up, I'll bring some of my prints, a couple of videos, uh, you know, we'll have some fun. No, you got to do a performance. And it's like, okay, I knew exactly what I wanted to do because I wanted to do in L.A. in a piano crate where I was shipped from L.A. to San Francisco, which never happened. I said, look it, you ship me as an object. You have me shipped in a lorry. I'm the last piece that gets brought into the show. And they're going, What? And I go, yeah, you want me? This is what I am? You have me shipped. And they're going, oh, oh, okay. So they have to call the Vienna Zoo because I'm a human being at the same time or an animal, you know? So it had to be built a certain way, certain labels, certain hair ducts, you name it. But going through customs, I'm an object and a subject simultaneously again, you know? I'm, I'm alive but I'm also an art piece, you know, and I was tagged as an art piece. And there's tags on of that, and there's tags on my passport as a person. So I'm the last person that gets brought in, they go, well, we got a place for you, Skip. I thought they meant a hotel room, you know, it's like, hey, wow, this is gonna be great, you know? Uh-uh, bank vault. So for five days, I live in this bank vault, and I'm going, what the hell am I gonna do? So I get a table, two chairs, uh, I only had a sledgehammer and a sleeping bag in there to stay warm and a sledgehammer in case the truck crashed and I had to pound my way out. And the bar next door gave me magnums of wine, cases of magnums of wine. So I had my folio book and so people would come down and I would serve them hash, meaning smokable hash, wine and cheese and cornishins and tell them, I called it conducting business, living quarters what I'm doing through Europe, why I'm here. Maybe you'll be in Italy, maybe you'll be in Vienna. You know, maybe you'll see this, maybe you won't, you know? Um, so that's a, probably, a, I think, an extremely good example of the subject-object relationship. And this is one where you took a shower for four days? Oh, yeah. Uh -huh. uh, Gramercy Park Hotel. Uh, oh, people are just, just, just wacky, you know? Uh, I mean, I love people. I, mean, I just. Especially those, you know, they got some dough and they just think, okay, we can do anything we want. So they call me. You know, my gallerist called me actually, and the uh, 
This is back when uh, uh, Dallant and uh, Pat Hearn were still alive. This is the, the fair that they had put together. And uh, uh, they go, well, Skip, they want you to do something. And I go, well, how much money do they got? You know, I mean, I, I, want, some, I want some money. I had just done a show at the gallery and didn't make that much money. But uh, it made some dough. But, uh, they, you know, Skip always loves doing things at uh, fairs. And I do. I, 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 I truly, truly do. Or did back then. And he says, okay, yeah. I'll do something, but, you know, uh, what do you want me? And they go, what are you going to do? And it's like, well, Jesus. And I'm thinking for a second, and I go, okay, I want a suite. Yeah, you can, you can have a suite. I want a refrigerator full of, you know, gin and vodka. Oh, yeah, you can have it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I go, you know what? I'm going to take a four-day shower. What? That's a lot of water. You, you think you can do that? You're going to be shriveled. I'm taking a four-day shower. And I asked for a room that you could actually voyeuristically see me through the bathroom window out on the street in a shadow, a very shadowy form. Or you could come into my suite, and you could peek. The door was always cracked up, and you could peek in and see me taking a shower. And I just wasn't standing underwater. I have a way of showering, and we all do. We all have our particulars. And I would go through my particulars, rinse off, and start all over again. And I did that for four days. From the time the fair was open at 9 a.m. until about 9 p.m., then I would uh, use my mini bar, invite some people over, have some drinks, have a nice dinner, and start all over again the next day. Uh, and this is where you went truffle hunting. Uh, yeah, this was a... a a piece I was invited to by uh, the Impala Museum, Jason Rhodes' Museum on Wheels. Uh, um, and he invited a lot of artists, a number of artists, to be involved in using his vehicle uh, uh, to create pieces. And it was about the coming and going, you know. And uh, we, we talked about it. He goes, man, if you can figure out a way to get yourself here, you know, uh, uh, we can do something. And I says, well, look, let's send a letter to my, where I'm teaching. And uh, they're usually pretty supportive of institutions wanting to be involved, you know. And, uh, well, damn it, the art center uh, paid my airplane ticket. And uh, four of us have started with the trip, but three of us ended up in it. And it's like, well, Jason and I are going, well, what are we going to do? I go, well, I want to take it on a road trip. You know, I mean, he goes, well, you mean just a you know, a day trip. I go, no, I want to do something, you know, that's uh, worthwhile. And he's going, well, geez, well, it's only October. Let's truffle hunting. Yeah, let's go truffle hunting, you know. Let's go truffle hunting. I, I got my camera. I want to truffle hunt. I love truffles, you know. I mean, let's, and Jason's going, well, yeah, Richard Jackson's show, you know, I'm paraphrasing all this, and I'm probably exaggerating guys, you know, here and there, but, you know, we can bring back truffles, you know. Now, we've never gone truffle hunting, but we had this grandiose idea, and, and I tell you, with four people in a car, it wasn't that comfortable, really. I mean, there's images of me just not being very happy skipper at all. But, uh, yeah, we're showing up in Austin, uh, uh, Elba, and it's like, hey, yeah, man, uh, you know, can you help us truffle hunt? Uh, we hear you're our truffle hunter. You got some, you know, can we use your pigs? You're going to show. People are telling us, you know, get the, get the hell out of here, you know? I mean, you know, truffles are expensive, and B, uh, wherever you find one, technically, they don't grow back in that area for about 40 years. Anyways, we were getting a lot of crap, 
And people weren't very happy about it. It's in this beautiful SS uh, Impala. Um, so we started, I had all the maps. I'm going, okay, this is what we're doing. We're going to go to every place that serves truffles. So every restaurant, every hotel, truffles. We ate truffles for breakfast. We ate truffles for lunch. We ate truffles for dinner. And the person who was sponsoring, sporting this whole event wasn't extremely pleased. We were getting phone calls every day. It's like, what the hell are you doing, you know? You know, get that American, get skip out of there, you know? You know, you're my artist, you know? Uh, uh, the Impala Museum is a very infamous uh, 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 piece that Jason uh, made. And uh, you can look it up sometime and see all the artists that got themselves involved in it and uh, all that sort of stuff. But we finally, we, Harry's, Harold Zeman had given Jason or Hans Weigand this postcard of this man who had a villa with a man next door who always had truffles, went truffle hunting. But we, we met him, but we couldn't see him for three days. So we had to drive around for three days. So we stayed at these different villas and places and ate truffles, you know, and I shot a film and uh, I took pictures. These are all the Polaroids. Uh, uh, and we finally got there and we met the old man and he was a really cool man. And is there a picture on there? No, uh, he took me hunting and I'll be damned, man. It was like cool. I mean, it was rough, it was cool. And we found a truffle and three truffles. Uh, we had to buy the rest of the truffle. You know, we had to buy truffles for the dinner for everybody because you know that we didn't fly hardly zero, you know. And for the piece, I don't know if there's a picture. That's just truffle hunting, actually. Um, we don't even know what the hell we're doing, really. But anything that looked like a truffle, we, we you know, and the way I displayed the piece uh, uh, for the ICA was everything we found or, or everything I collected from what we found. I displayed under this, you know, not nicely, just like threw it out there. 200 photographs, laid them out like a deck of cards. Uh, the band-aids for my finger almost getting cut off. Uh, the pieces of metal, oh, that looks like a truffle. Yeah, okay, we'll save that, you know. Uh, so it, it, the films all played uh, just unedited, uh, 100 feet at a time off my Bolex on seven different monitors of just, just the experience out of sync not, uh, not in order, just of three men not having the greatest time in their life, but three men trying to find truffles and going through the wilderness of Piemont. <laughs> um, I think we should open for some questions. So please, anybody that has a question, put up your hand, and I'm sure Skip will be happy to try and answer. Uh, yep, at the back. Lenny Bruce performance because in a way what you're talking about there is somebody who uses words as a kind of confrontational technique I just wondered how you, do you actually speak to people like when you're trapped between two doors is it important for you to keep it absolutely quiet or do you oh, actually yeah, speak, speak to, to people Pardon? I, I don't speak to people the only pieces I spoke in was uh, um, uh, living in a bank ball that was very purposeful. Uh, the piece I did at Exit Art, where I brought, I brought my whole office from LA uh, to Exit Art in New York to write the Guggenheim Foundation grant, and um, people were allowed to come in to see the office and talk. But 99.99% .99 of the pieces, no, there's no talking. There's, you can talk to me, you can do it. You know, uh, you can touch me, I really like it, but you can touch me, but I don't talk. So, 
I don't even move. Just as a follow-on from that, then, would, how does that affect, uh, like, when you're doing something on the street, like you were doing in, an embalmed thing, yeah? Um, how did they actually know that there was a person in there? Cause it, Sometimes it, they didn't. Uh, but if you got close enough, you found a new, you could see that there's a naked, there's a naked body in there. Uh, if you didn't, you walked by and said, oh, I guess they're doing work on the telephone pole. Uh, or you'd walk by, because you walked by that street every day and you did not even pay attention. Uh, oh, people would always, you know, poke, you know, if they noticed, so many people would poke or go, hey, who is that up there? Oh, oh, you. Or even some of my friends, some of my friends, you know, they always would try to like, hey, Skip, man, how's it feel? You know, I'm, I'm going to sit here and bother you forever, you know. Uh, but no, uh, no talking, no moving, no nothing. More questions? Over there? Hello, thank you very much, Skip. Um, I think the, the subject-object analysis is very clear. I think it seems quite clear as well as to um, why it's important that it's you making the, the uh, performances rather than kind of giving instructions that someone else can, can perform. But um, I'm just wondering, um, is it sometimes a struggle not to, um, or is it, is it something that, that you think about uh, the uh, possible drifting into a kind of a fictional skip that's kind of performing um, kind of semi, yeah, semi-fictionally, semi-theatrically um, and kind of making sure that it's always um, just skip. Well, it, it, it's always just skip that does the work and it's always just skip that is the work. Um, as far as people participating, like in the bank vault or in the office piece, um, you become part of it. I mean, obviously, I mean, you, you, you make the piece really start to activate itself. Otherwise, I'm just sitting there. But um, if I'm understanding the question, uh, I, having actors and actresses, uh, that's a play. You know, uh, it's a piece of theater and you're depending way, way too much on somebody else's brain and what they do or do not want to do. And, and I knew right from the beginning, even back when I was in school in painting, um, this all started from what am I really interested in? Uh, I'm stripping things down as I go along. I really don't like painting. I don't like action painting. I don't like getting a mess. Uh, I'm making films. I'm stripping things down so it becomes just myself. And within it becoming myself, that's what this is what you see happens. This is my interest. Uh, I hope that answers your question. But some pieces, it does take people to activate them. I could sit in that crate all day long on the lorry, and that would be it if that man didn't pull me in and activate the piece. And, and my gallery opened it up. That's all you've got. Not that that's not bad, but that's all you've got. But from that, you get a whole other piece. And from that, you get to be in in the piece. You get to be part of something that's in real time, that's not fake. I'm not pulling your leg here. You know, you're, you're, you're making the piece happen because of what I'm already doing. So I was just wondering whether there's any extent at all to which there's, there's a kind of a, because you, you refer to, to skip, um, is there any extent to which there's um, a skip which is separate from yourself? that when you're performing, when you're making an action, you are this kind of other skip that might not just be you, or is it just you, full stop? 
It's just me. Uh, when it, uh, I, I, I will say that when like, I watch Marks and Girls in Bikinis, and I'm sorry, I was using my phone for a second, but I wanted to make sure that one thing I had said, I had said correctly, and I didn't want to uh, mislead anybody and get railed later on. So sorry, I just had to look up a definition. Um, but when I look at Marks and Girls in Bikinis or Mating Call, especially Marks, it's like, come on, Skipper, get up, get up. Get up, you know? I can really talk that way about myself or with myself. I become a viewer. I can become a viewer of the pieces that are meant to be viewed in that format. Uh, girls in bikinis, it's like, God, that's just too hot, you know? <laughs> you know? Uh, when, I'm, when I'm looking at my office piece or documents and things like that, no, it's, it's really when I talk about them, I talk about them as a subject and an object. Kristen over there. Do you consider what you do, or has it been in the past, conceptual art? Or how, what would you define conceptual art to be? John Baldessari. Um, I don't consider what I do conceptual, but I don't know if it's not conceptual. I don't think in those terms, honestly. Uh, I've been, I've I've been a teacher for or a professor for 20 years, and I can talk about conceptualism and uh, the history of it. But I don't look at myself that way. Uh, I, if anything, I I consider myself a, an artist, and in this case, a performance artist or an artist that performs, uh, not in a theater sense, but at the same time, I'm I'm my own medium. And maybe one could say, well, that's pretty conceptual. And I, I guess you, you really could say that. But I don't really think about it that way. Um, I think that's a great question, and, and I'm not going to think about it probably again, but, but uh, I, I think that's an interesting way of looking at what I'm talking about or what I've just said, you know, that you've asked about. Any artist can set you up because it has a Well, I, I like what you said there, what you've, what you've not just said, but what you're saying or what you're making a point of. When I say I don't like painting, didn't like painting, I was an action painter. My paintings were the size of this floor, and it was my body that was actually doing it until I got tired out, and I was filming myself simultaneously, and it was more about the activity than it had anything to do about the finished product. You know, I'd, the films would sit on top, and when I was finally given a video camera, I didn't know what I was doing with it, and I tried to use it the same way I used film. And I looked behind me, and all the videotape had gone on the ground. It's like, well, what the fuck is this? And also, it was in black and white. But anyways, I just threw it into the painting. And, and what I meant by that was when one's not interested in the, in the final product, 
in my case, you start to question what you are interested in. And in my sense, it became, the more I stripped things down, I realized it was myself and my life, and what I am and what I do. And what I am and what I do, I felt is, is important. And I felt what I am and what I do can have an impact, and does have an impact. And when we say that everything is conceptualized because everything has a concept, well, I can take that definition, but we do have a very narrow area in art history called conceptual art. And I don't know if I necessarily believe in its construct or in, in, in its definition either. But we, when we use that definition, I don't necessarily think that's what I am. And that's why, I, I mean, I love John Baldessari. He's a good friend, but you know, he's the one we all think of, I think, right? You know, uh, uh, teaching a, a plant the alphabet. Uh, you know, uh, different things. If you don't know his work, it's definitely worth looking up. Uh, um, uh, Douglas Luber, you know. But I don't put myself in a category, though, either. Uh, I do know what I do, and I do know what I am, and I know people could say, Skip Arnold, performance artist, Skip Arnold. Some people say Skip Arnold, performance video artist. Some people say Skip Arnold. Uh, I think that's a really good point. I, I, I hope you understand. I, I hope that answers what we were talking about. I, I like the question. Yeah. No, I like the question very much, or questions, actually, yeah. <laughs> so I think that's a good point to end on. And so please join me in thanking Skip Arnold. Thank you very much.